This is episode number 237 with director John Chu. Welcome to the School of Greatness. My name is Lewis Howes, former pro athlete turned lifestyle entrepreneur. And each week we bring you an inspiring person or message to help you discover how to unlock your inner greatness. Thanks for spending some time with me today. Now let the class begin. Welcome everyone back to the podcast. Very excited about this episode. It's with a buddy of mine named John Chu, who's an American film director, film producer, screenwriter, and cinematographer, best known for directing the movies Step Up 2, The Streets, Step Up 3D, Justin Bieber's Never Say Never, and G.I. Joe Retaliation. He's an alumni of the University of Southern California School of Cinema Television, where he won many awards, and he's currently filming Gem in the Holograms. And the five things you're going to take away from this, there's going to be a lot of takeaways from this, and I didn't want John to stop because his storytelling is so incredible. But you're going to hear about the story of how Steven Spielberg found one of John's movies while he was still in school and bought another one of his ideas later, how he got into making dance movies, why he will always make movies even when no one pays him, and what he learned about Justin Bieber from making that movie as well. Lots of other incredible stories about creativity, storytelling, and how to live an incredible life. I think you're going to fall in love with this one as much as I've fallen in love with with John. So make sure to check out all the show notes. We'll have some other videos of what John's up to at lewishouse.com slash 237. So without further ado, let's go ahead and dive into this episode with the one, the only John Chu. Welcome everyone back to the School of Greatness podcast. We've got John Chu in the house. What's going on, What's my going man? On? Good to good see you, brother. Here. Good to be here. Uh, we met, I think, three years ago, two or three years ago. At yes. Yale's, yes. Uh, is that where we originally met? <laughs> I think so. That that might have been. The, we might have been in. We have a lot of mutual yeah, friends, of mutual so I'm sure friends. we're in the same area before that. But I think yes. that's the first time we first time we met. met. Yeah. And um, I think I was sitting next to you. We were playing like Cards Against Humanity, or yes. what we play, Apples to Apples, or yeah. Cards Against Something. What was it called? Uh, it was uh, Cards Against Humanity, right? Yeah, yeah. And I think at one point I didn't know who you were. I was like. <laughs> Cool. This guy's name is John. Like, all right, cool. Uh, but it was a great event, or it was a great like little yeah, house fun. party. Yeah. And we were playing cards against humanity. And I think I remember like one of the cards was your name or something. Was that right? I I believe it was uh, my name or one of my movies. Your movie I don't or something. Fully remember. It was like yes. the director of something yes. or whatever, right? And you were like, oh, that's me. And I was like, what? <laughs> who are you? Uh, so let's talk a little bit about who you are. You're a director of. We've all been there. You have a question about your credit card. You call the number for help and can't get a hold of anyone if you only had a Discover card. With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. A real person. Get the customer service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. With Capella University's FlexPath learning format, you can earn your degree online at your own pace and get support from people who care about your success. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. 
Okay, quick math. The less your business depends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep, obvious. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite and you're improving efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Backed by popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash greatness. netsuite.com slash greatness. Again, head to netsuite.com slash greatness. How many movies have you directed? Uh, I've directed seven movies okay. now. These are like main feature movies. Yeah, studio features in the last seven years. So about wow. a movie a year. Um, and you're uh, only 35, is that right? Uh, yeah, 35. Yeah. And uh, But I feel like, you know, <laughs> when you make a movie, you don't feel like that much time has passed. But then you realize, oh, shoot, I'm 35 now. <laughs> so I feel 28, but really. There you go. <laughs> uh, uh, but no, I've been seven movies, different uh, genres from yeah. documentaries to, you know, like the Justin Bieber movie yeah. to the Step Up dance movies to G.I. Joe action films. Uh-huh. Uh, so we have a, a big range of movies that I do. And yeah. uh, but it's been a fun, fun ride. It's I, amazing. I and what's the new movies coming out that you have? Yeah, so right now I'm in a it's, – it's an interesting challenge. I'm doing two movies at the same time. So I have uh, and two very different movies. I have Gem and the Holograms, okay. which is based off of an 80s cartoon. Um, uh, it's a musical. Uh, teenage girls uh, who find fame on the internet. And wow. uh, it's all original music. Work with Scooter Braun, who's Justin's manager. You know very well. Of course. Um, and uh, we have a, it's a great sort of fun, poppy, young uh, mm-hmm. girl story. It's uh, kind of like Glee. Uh, it has a little bit of gleeness okay. to it, um, but it definitely, you know, it's it's based off a comic book and cartoon series, right. so it has a little cool. uh, extra little thing to it. It has a little sci-fi element. There's a robot that speaks beatbox, and there's hologram. <laughs> I mean, it's a very strange, fun movie. Uh, and then the other one that comes out next summer uh, that I'm working on at the same time right now is Now You See Me 2, which yeah. is a sequel to uh, a couple years ago a movie came out, Now You See Me. It has Morgan Freeman, Michael Caine, yeah, uh, Mark Ruffalo, Jesse Eisenberg. Dave and the whole Franco. cast is coming back, right? They're all coming back, and we've added a few new people, like wow. Lizzie Kaplan and Daniel Radcliffe is in it. Really? So, yeah, it's a uh, wow. It's a fun cast, big cast, um, and uh, it's all magic. So I love it. They, <laughs> now You See Me was great, in my opinion. You know, all the magic. It's so fun, fun, right? Yeah. It's a, it was a, it was a sort of a sleeper hit a couple years ago mm-hmm. um, and uh, made tons of money all around the world, huge wow. global audience. And so, you weren't directing the first one. I didn't do the first one. Right? Louis Leterrier, <laughs> who is a master of that stuff, did that first one. Uh, so coming in is a little bit of a challenge. You know, you got to uh, find your own voice yeah. in it, but not uh, stir it up so much that it's a different movie. But we actually have a very different take. We get to go mm. to the other side of the curtain and get to know these magicians more. When you have that caliber of, of cast, you can sort of let them go and they yeah. create some really great things. And we had a great a group of magicians who helped us out. So and You've got uh, like the top magicians in the world, yeah, probably, right? We had like mentalists. We had, uh, 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 we had cardistry guys. We had sleight of hand guys. Um, we're all like around a table creating 
magic tricks of how these magicians can escape this, you know, this magic trap. Uh, and it's a, it's a fun environment Amazing. to be around. So everyone's learning magic um, all the time. So yeah. it's, it's, it's a fun And one. so a lot of these guys, the professionals, are they coming in and actually doing the tricks on film? Is it their hands that are like flipping the, you know, throwing the cards or doing like the, the crazy <laughs> We try not waterfalls. to do that, actually. Really? We, 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 these actors are so involved in their craft that uh, they want to learn how to wow. throw cards. So Dave Franco got so good at throwing really? cards. And, uh, and, and Jesse Eisenberg and Mark Ruffalo, they wanted to like get in there. Uh, Woody Harrelson, who... Uh, learn mentalism and can go into a, <laughs> any like place and uh, and do some of these. The he can actually do it. Yeah, he can actually do it. It's pretty amazing. Holy so, cow! Uh, you know, of course, some of the more super skilled stuff. Yeah. We, you know, it's, it's a movie, so we try to do some of those things. Right, but right. but making a magic movie is tough because you want to show the audience that you're not faking anything. That this is like so you can't cut around stuff. You can't do camera tricks. So we try to do everything as practical as possible. Wow. Uh, and so you'll see that in the movie. You'll feel that in the movie, even if you don't fully notice it i think when you go back and watch the movie mm. you'll realize we actually did these tricks interesting yeah. i love it yeah. so you went to usc correct uh yeah film school, to USC right? Film school. yep right down the street now yeah, you can actually see it down yeah, here can... right? you can see it on my window <laughs> on a good day, <laughs> on a good day it's a little hazy um my and... dorm room right there you go <laughs> and i heard i read online that you you know steven Spielberg, he found one of your videos or one of your movies is that right yeah it was a very interesting period of time i was it was in school um i did a couple shorts i got some attention mm -hmm. but you know you're in school this is 19 no this is 2001 yeah um so there was no youtube so nothing could go sort of viral online um but the uh so you had to go hustle around the different you had to hustle around a little bit but i'd done a short film that was a musical um about the secret life of mothers it was very strange you love musicals I, I don't i don't know why i'm not a dancer myself i don't sing i you know a few drinks maybe i'll like get up on the karaoke bar but that's about it um but i love dancers and i love singers mm -hmm. and i love being around them and they were all my friends so yeah. they're the only ones who would help me out when i had the camera <laughs> so i somehow fell into that world and i yeah. love it but uh so i made a short film and uh and it got around town, mm. um, and you could only get like a VHS or DVD copy of it. And somehow, I didn't send it to Steven Spielberg. I didn't uh, look for that. It somehow ended up on his desk. And mm. I just one day got a call from my agent who said, uh, uh, you know, Steven Sp rumor has it that Steven Spielberg has seen your short. And I don't know what it means. This was a Friday night. He's like, I don't know what it means, but just know that, that wow. you heard that. That's, we're not sure if it's true or not. I was like, Okay. But of course, all weekend long, I'm thinking about it. What does that even mean? <laughs> How does that? And then you're uh, like 21, 22 at the time. Yeah, or? I'm 22 at the time. Okay. Yeah, and so then I get a call uh, from my agent the next day, and he's like, "Hey, just so you know, I know it's Saturday, but I've been getting. I was like with my family, but I got all these calls wow. from Stevens, like agents and people, and he really wants to sit down with you tomorrow at his house on a Sunday. On a Sunday, I was like." Uh, yeah, there, sure. I'm playing it totally cool. Oh, let me check my calendar. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm like jumping up and down, going crazy. Um, and, uh, he's up in the hills or Bel Air or somewhere, right? He's got some, you exactly. Know. Uh, so, so we call back and, and we, we actually, it ends up being on the Monday. Okay. Um, but, uh, go into his office and, uh, he was totally cool. Like it was just me and him. Wow. We talked for a couple hours. Uh, it wasn't just like a fast, hey, great thing, here's my card, go, yeah, I'll call you. It was more, uh, we talked about musicals, we talked about mm. movies, we talked about uh, all sorts of things, and he was, uh, he was genuinely interested and genuinely present. He brought mm -hmm. in his other, um, his other sort of uh, lieutenants at the, at DreamWorks <laughs> at the time. 
Um, and, uh, and at that point, I remember thinking my only goal mm. was to ha- get a second meeting. Like, that's my only, mm. in this whole, whatever happens, stay focused on getting a second meeting. <laughs> so, like, I was like, oh, you know, we have this, he's like, what do you want to do? Do we have projects? Um, and, you know, he's really involved with USC, mm. uh, funding it and stuff. So yeah. I think he, there's a sense of pride there too. That yeah, he wanted to give back and support. Exactly. Exactly. So, I was like, well, I have a, a short, I mean, a, a, a feature that I've been writing with my, my buddy, um, and, uh, uh, Jason Russell, who actually, uh, started Invisible Children. But at that oh, time, wow. we were both in film school together. So, uh, we said, uh, I said, well, yeah, I have this thing. And, and, uh, he's like, oh, I'd love to hear. It. I was like, oh, I have it ready. And he's like, oh, let's meet this week. I was like, second perfect. meeting. So I was second meeting. Exactly. <laughs> totally made that happen. So I went back to my apartment. Jason was there because, uh, he was excited just, to hear about what, happened. Hear about what yeah, happened. Yeah. No idea that I pitched this thing. Wow. That was only really half together, to be honest. Like, <laughs> You're like we had we're like, do this now. <laughs> we had talked about it over a beer, I think, at one wow. point. So we're like, oh shit, we have four days <laughs> to, to write this thing together. <laughs> wow. So uh, him, uh, his now wife Danica, and myself, we just like stayed up all night for four days <laughs> doing this thing. And I'd never done a pitch before. And so on that Friday, or I think it was a Friday, we go into DreamWorks and sitting at the table for my first pitch ever is, uh, Steven Spielberg, uh, Walter Parks, uh, Lori McDonald, his wife. They were the sort of the, uh, heads of, uh, uh of DreamWorks at the yeah. time. Um, we had, uh, uh, Adam Goodman. Okay. Who sort of, uh, who was at that time an executive at DreamWorks. Mm-hmm. He eventually becomes the president of Paramount where there's a whole nother story about that. But, um, and uh and we had Mike DeLuca as well. So this and Steven Spielberg. So this it's room is like, like the powerhouse. Wow. And uh so we come in there, these little you know, these young, <laughs> never done a pitch before, and we bring in this chest of costumes and pictures and so we start pitching the story and every time we go to a new scene we have pictures and hat changes and costume mm, changes wow. i mean it is the most ridiculous thing they're probably like who are these guys it's, it's exact. it's like the scene in moulin rouge right. where they're like putting on the outfits and they're running out and coming back in i mean they must have been laughing after now looking back it is so embarrassing wow and, um but uh, they were very gracious. They listened to the whole oh hour gosh. performance of this thing. They bought it. Um, really? And so, uh, so it worked. So it worked somehow. <laughs> I don't know what happened. Out of pity, maybe. <laughs> yes, yes. But just, just, uh, and we never actually made it, but we did set it up there and we mm-hmm. developed it for years. Uh, but that just the fact that um, Stephen would would reach out yeah. and um, make that kind of notice and take the time um, means a lot. In the business, everybody paid attention. Nobody sure. knew who I was, so that uh, that sort of pushed me into uh, the world, into the wow. real world here. So that was a very uh, interesting time. But what, what was interesting too was so Jason Russell was supposed to leave for Sudan at the time because he wanted to do this documentary about Sudan. Um, this was before Invisible Children, where he started. Um, it was about Ugandan children. So. Uh, he, I was like, why are you leaving right now? We just pitched to Steven Spielberg. He's like, I am meant to go right now. Wow. I know I, I'm like, he's like, I went to film school. Obviously this is our dream, but I'm like, I feel like I need to do this called. trip. Yeah. I feel called. And I was like, okay, bro, but this is the whole, like you go to film school to get this opportunity. <laughs> to get Steven Spielberg to be on yes. your team. Yeah. <laughs> totally didn't understand him leaving, but he left. He's like, just keep me updated. And, uh, while he's there, um, I call him when our deal closes. I'm like, dude, we wow. got it. We're, we're doing this. I was like, got, come back. He's like, I just met these kids in Uganda and I made a promise to them 
that I would tell their story and I can't leave. Oh my goodness. And that's sort of what started Invisible Children in that sort of 12, 13 year journey of, uh, of them. And so for me, seeing how that company was born, um, was, was two paths sort of di- di- diverged in right. a moment. And that's how I know, that's why I love Jason so much and know his, wow. his heart, um, and all that stuff. But it was very interesting because we had, we started the very same place of, uh, a film school and mm-hmm. we, we get along creatively and all that stuff. Um, he did this obviously thing for his Crazy. bigger purpose, yeah. which is great. But he could have been a big director like you he if you would have stayed you in it and you guys yeah. would have made movies together yeah, or he exactly. would have done his own thing. Exactly. It's interesting. Exactly. It's interesting that he would have the courage to leave and go do something he had no idea what was going to come from when he had it, the biggest opportunity of his life. It was insane. It's an insane decision. And I wish people – I wish I'd filmed that moment. I wow. wish he could. I wish other people could have seen those conversations because I had no idea what he was talking about. I'm wow. Like, You're going to go to this unknown and – and 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 make this promise to a kid that you met <laughs> that you don't it's know a little town that you don't know and do you know how long that could be and do you know that you you probably won't even be able to fulfill that promise wow and he's like yeah but i have to try and that was it it was very wow. simple for him there was no like ooh maybe maybe if i he was like no i there's no way amazing that's and, inspiring uh, that was really inspiring that i always think about that moment in my life when when those things come up, even when little things, not even things mm-hmm. that big, although that didn't feel that big at that moment of him making that decision other than you're losing a huge opportunity. Yeah. <laughs> but though you, you realize those little choices, the way you see the world or the way you see your path can affect your whole life. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so I always think about how brave he was to do that. That's cool. Sure. Do you think that you'd be where you're at now if you didn't have that opportunity with Spielberg then? Uh, you'd be making features and doing everything you've done? Or is that kind of the catalyst that really... It definitely was the catalyst to get me into the studio world. Mm-hmm. I don't doubt that I wouldn't be making movies. Maybe it wouldn't be movie movies. Maybe it would be TV shows. Maybe it would be mm-hmm. wedding videos. Maybe right. it would be whatever. But in my, since I was in third grade, I've always made movies on my own. Yeah. Um, and that, I know for a fact, whether getting paid for it or not, I would You'd always do it. that. And I will always do that in the future. Yeah. My movies may all bomb and I may never get another movie in Hollywood ever again. But I know I'll still be making stuff. Right. Um, that's just in my nature. And that's yeah. just what I'm doing. And what, I think I read online that your, you know, your parents, you grew up in uh, San Francisco area, right? Yeah, Palo Alto. Palo Alto. Mm-hmm. And your parents would give you the camera to like film going on vacation or whatever, but you decided to like make movies instead of filming like the moments that you're supposed (laughs) to film, right? (laughs) Yes. Yeah. I mean, when you give a kid a camera, what are you supposed to do? I'm just bored on these vacations. They were so great. They, you know, they came from China. Mm -hmm. Um, My mom came from Taiwan um, into the Bay area. They didn't know a word of English and, uh, and they wanted to give everything to the kids. So we, so they met in the Bay Area, but they started a little restaurant. It's been there for 46 years wow. now. It's like a famous um, restaurant now, it, right? Yeah, it's been there yeah. for so long. What's it called? Every, it's called Chef Chews. It's Chef in Chews. Los Altos, which is next to Stanford. And so at the center of the Silicon Valley before it was called the Silicon yeah. Valley, and they grew with the neighborhood. And, and we got the benefit of growing with that neighborhood as well, wow. being in that environment where – uh, the engineer was celebrated. Nobody was rich and famous. It was just about like, what are you making and how is that changing the world mm-hmm. or how is that affecting how we live? Yeah. And, uh, and they were crazy ideas from people riding around in electric cars in the nineties wow. to, uh, to people bringing in software. You could see them working at lunch, right? Uh, at their, at their desk. And I got the benefit of having, um, you know, they would find out, Oh, Chef Chu's son it, it likes to make 
these home videos, you know, we have this uh, computer that we're working on now that mm. can do like dissolves and interesting things with video. And so they would bring in their beta computers uh -huh. and, their, and Adobe would bring in their, their software, all like testing mode, all beta mode with no manuals and they would give it to my dad to give to me. And you'd be like editing videos on there. Literally, I would just have to sit there wow. and be like, how do I do this and figure <laughs> it out? Uh, so I was ahead by a lot in wow. those times. And that was, you know, you're sort of grown by your community. That was definitely something sure. uh, that was very rare and weird. And looking back, um, I just was very lucky to be in that environment at the Amazing. time. But they gave, my, my parents were always giving to the kids. I'm the youngest of five kids. Mm. Uh, and they said they never let us work at the restaurant. Really? They always said uh, they didn't want us to get used to fast cash. They were like, do everything we couldn't do first. Like, go after the things that you won't be able to do later one day, possibly. Just, like, explore. And so they put us in music classes, dance classes. We went to – I did animation school. I did theater. Wow. I did um, we did sports camps. We did, uh, we traveled. So every year we would travel as well. And, uh, and that's where my, that's where sort of where I got the video camera at first Amazing. and then would make little mini movies with my brothers and sisters who didn't really want to do movies. <laughs> You're like, we're but, doing uh, this. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I had a lot of toys. So I, I am convinced that my toy collection, um, I get passed down all the toys from my, my brothers and sisters yeah. and I would figure out ways to convince my parents to get me that extra special toy. And I'd have week long adventures in my backyard wow uh, and i'm convinced that that's where i actually learned filmmaking and storytelling amazing one of my favorite parts about my job is that i get the opportunity to travel a lot and in fact i'm recording this right now while i'm in mexico and actually i was thinking about something that i wanted to share because i get a lot of questions from so many people about different side hustle ideas so here's one for those of you out there that are on the go a lot like i am or traveling a lot when you're staying in your airbnb on your trips have you ever thought about how you could be making extra money by hosting through airbnb while your home is vacant if you're interested in an extra stream of income airbnb hosting is an easy place to start and it's like giving your home some company while you're away your home might be worth more than you think find out how much at airbnb.com slash host So listen, we all know life is full of yada yada, like those quote unquote free trials that somehow still charge your card for something or when companies have those sneaky gotchas hiding deep in the fine print. And I know you've dealt with yada yada before, like those bills that keep going up and up for no reason at all. Or when budget airlines promise a cheap fare, but then charge you for every little thing until you realize you're paying more than you would have somewhere else. And yes, it is possible to outsmart yada yada, like triple checking airline deals to make sure all you need is already included, but you don't take yada yada in life. So don't take yada yada from your wireless provider. Metro by T-Mobile has no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and nada yada yada. Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide. When you get a new car or a new home, your first reaction might be to say things like, oh yeah, or I can't believe it, or booyah. But what you really want to say is the one thing that can get you the help you need. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm is there with the coverage you need for your car, your home, and even boats, motorcycles, RVs, and other things that matter to you. With a State Farm agent, you know someone is there to help you choose the coverage you need. With so many coverage options, it feels good knowing you can find what fits for you. And when you need ways to get help, State Farm gives you options there too. 
too. In person or on the phone with your local agent or on statefarm.com where their award-winning app State Farm lets you do things your way. So when you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember to say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. What is it about film that you love the most? Is it the idea creation of I've got this idea for a great story? Is it the actual filming? Is it working with the cast mm -hmm. and the crew? Is it the post-production? Is it when it's finally out there and you get the reaction of the 13-year-old girls who are watching Justin Bieber movies <laughs> screaming, yes. crying that's next fun. to you that's in the really movie fun. theater? Yeah. You're like, how did I create something where people are crying their eyes out? You know, yes. you know something... Before you answer that, I watched the Never Say Never movie like yes. three or four times, and every time I cried, man, nice. during the grandparents section, yes. I was like, this is unbelievable what this kid has gone through. You should have seen me behind the camera. I was also crying. Was like shaking, like, ah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, luckily I wasn't holding the camera. <laughs> but no, th those moments are really genuine in that, and I, and I genuinely uh, grew to love the kid because I did not, I can't call him the kid anymore. Right. The man, yeah. uh, Justin Bieber, because I didn't, I, I didn't know that too much going into that movie. Wow. But I wanted to make the movie about someone who didn't know anything about him and learning step by step who this person is. You see this person on YouTube and they come across as, oh, there's just a pop star. But then when you actually go back, you see he's a boy that has extreme talent and you recognize that boy as someone that either you know or that you were and you follow him mm -hmm. on his journey. And I think that was the inspirational part for me. It was It's a fairy tale yeah. in, in a way and, it, and it's actually happening in real time. It was unbelievable. Episode. I mean, the storytelling, I mean, I guess you weren't really telling the story. You were just sharing the story mm -hmm. of it was just incredible. I mean, the way you put that, that movie must have had some big records too, right? Did it sell extremely yeah, well? Yeah, it did, uh, it did super well, uh, made a hundred million dollars worldwide. Insane. And for something that was supposed to be just a concert movie, you know, we were like, well, let's tell, uh, let's, let's make a real documentary about this kid's mm -hmm. life. Let's make a, you know, a, a biography, but the music, not just be concert songs, but actually, be a, a musical documentary. So mm. when words aren't enough, the music helps tell that story. We recontextualize his music that sounds like, oh, that's just about first love. No. It's actually about him, you know, f falling in love with the business at that time when he came into LA or, or that's about the deal that he made with whatever. So that was really fun to flip right. his music and say, let's make, how would you use that wow. in a musical about his life? And, uh, and that's how we sort of format it. Would, that, would you say, what was the big movie you did before that? And I want to get back to you answer yes, the question yes. in a second, but what was the big movie you did before that? Uh, right before that, I, I'd done two step up movies. So okay. I'd done step up to the streets and step up 3D. Okay. Uh, and so because of my 3D efforts on uh, step up, they knew they wanted to do the Justin thing in 3D. Uh, so Adam Goodman, who I had met at that original meeting with Steven, wow. had at that point, this was like four or five years later, you know, maybe six years later, become the president of Paramount. And so he had this on his desk and he had known, and we had always talked about doing a project. We never actually mm. uh, got there actually making the project. So he called me and said, hey, I have a, you know, we always wanted to work together. I want to bring you over to Paramount but I have this project first that I need help on. And he's like, it has to come out in like six or seven months. He's like, I have no idea what to do with it. Um, and it's in 3D. Uh, so have you ever heard of this guy, Justin Bieber? And I was like, uh, I don't know. He's like, that song, Baby? I was like, oh yeah, that Baby song. Okay. Uh, and so then I went home and I started watching YouTube videos. I just mm -hmm. wanted to get a sense of who... First, I was like, I don't do concert movies. Mm -hmm. There's no... I don't know what I would do with this. So then I go home and I start watching the YouTube videos and you can actually go to his first video he ever posted and you can go to the first comment or the first video ever posted. You can go to the second comment. You can go to the third comment and in real time you can read 
how this thing unfolded. You can go to that second video, that fourth video, and you can go to those comments and you're literally tracking this and it's like you're going back in time. Wow. And I thought that was so surreal to experience the story in that way. I was like, if we can bring this type of thing mm -hmm. into a movie, I thought that was really interesting. You guys so, did a brilliant job with that too. You know, in the introduction, I remember like seeing the comments showing up yeah. and the views yeah. or the views going up. It was yeah. really, That's really actually cool. how I first saw him because uh, they sent me an email with the link. So I, and actually I remembered he, they didn't send me to, it was my friend actually, uh, it was probably like six months prior and I had forgotten about this, but when I was making the movie, I remembered that uh, I got an email saying, Hey, check this, this kid out. You always get emails of like, check yeah, this yeah, cat yeah. out, like check right, out the right. sneezing panda. And then, <laughs> sneezing panda. <laughs> and I remember getting this email and then clicking it and be like, Oh, it's another person seeing on YouTube. And then all of a sudden watching the whole thing and be like, Whoa, this kid is amazing. Yeah. And, and how, I didn't know how that. How old was he then? At that time, he was 14, 13. Yeah. And I, I, and, uh, never connected with that guy being Justin Bieber. So I was like, that's how I want to start the movie. I want to start the movie mm. with, you could be anybody getting any sort of link. And when you click on this, you're going to see a kid that blows you away. And you don't know what he becomes, but I'm going to show you what he becomes. Well, I just got chills when you said that, man. I'm like, <laughs> really? Cause I was going back in the movie. I remember that whole unfolding of that. Yeah. That was a key element for us of, of how we wanted to tell that story. Yeah. And I remember pitching this to Scooter at the time. Like, okay, this is how I'm going to start the movie. I mean, I sort of painted the whole picture. Uh, what do you say? He, what do you he, think about it? I remember just silence. And he looked at me and he's like, I like that. <laughs> so he didn't pitch it to you. You didn't know Scooter at this time. No, I didn't really know. When I first had my comp, so Adam said, I want you to do this movie. I said, uh, I'm, I'm open to it. He's like, well, you have to talk to his manager first. I was like, okay. He's like, he's this like 25 year old kid. Right. I'm like, wait, I'm older than him. Wow. This is going to be really weird. So, um, I called Scooter, Scooter called me and we got on the phone and he was like, uh, I just want to say that, um, you know, you've done some, his step up movies were distributed by Disney. He's like, you've done a bunch of Disney stuff. I just want to tell you that, uh, I don't think Justin's a Disney person <laughs> and this is not a Disney type movie. So I'm not quite sure you're the right person. Wow. I was like, okay. <laughs> all right. Good. I like an honest person here in Hollywood. You don't get those very, that very often. So, uh, I laid it on the table. I was like, listen, bro, like, <laughs> Well, first of all, he said, oh, and you're, a, and you're a dancer, and that's not really what this is about. I'm like, one, I'm not a dancer. <laughs> Two, the fact that you think I'm a dancer is great because when I do my movies, I, I, I jump into that world, mm -hmm. and, and you should think I'm a dancer by seeing that movie. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and I'm like, I, I totally understand that, but most of my movies, whether it's dance mm -hmm. or, uh, or, you know, or music or uh, action, um, it's, they're fairy tales. They're mm -hmm. actually just, sort of these parables and fairy tales that uh, use these things as our language. Um, and so in this one, this would be music. And so I pitched him sort of this concept of, I want to tell the story with the musical documentary part of it. And by the end of the conversation, it was like an hour and a half conversation. Uh, he's like, all right, you're the man. <laughs> that was it. And we became like best friends yeah, yeah, since yeah. then and uh, introduced him to his wife. Wow, you did. Uh, yeah, you I did. Miel. Yeah. Wow. So how, uh, was that? how did that happen? Because he, he told me, like, saw her on Twitter one day or something. Yeah, and, like, that he saw her. her. He, he, she had tweeted me something. Then he called me. He was like, who's that? Shut up. I was like, oh, you know what? She's coming into town. You should meet her. Um, and it didn't work out at that point. We were doing a Justin's tour for Believe at the point. Mm -hmm. uh, it, the timing didn't work out. But then the next time he called me, uh, next time I she was in town, and she was looking for a house because she was moving to L.A., and then I got a call from Scooter. He's like, I think I just saw that girl from the 
from Twitter. He's like hard stalking her. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, bro, you've got to meet. He's like, I'm leaving town tomorrow. You got to meet today. And so I email them both and say, you know, it's hard to find great people in LA. I mean, uh-huh. I have these emails. It's really funny. And I said, you guys got to meet uh, and you got to do it today. And because they were leaving, he was leaving tomorrow. Yeah, he was leaving the next day. And then I sort of left it at that. Uh, I was like, oh, and I'm getting off this chain, so I don't want to (laughs) know. And then, like, two weeks later, I get a call from Scooter. I don't even, I don't call again. I just Uh leave it at that. You know, who knows what happens? Everyone's very busy. Sure, sure. Then he calls me and he's like, hey, I'm in Paris. I'm like, great. He's like, someone wants to talk to you. Shut up. And it's, yeah, I'm like, oh, it's still going. (laughs) You're on a. You're on a Long vacation. <laughs> so uh, th- that's, that's sort of uh, how it all unfolded. Wow. But, uh, that's crazy. Yeah. It's nuts. That's unbelievable. Okay. So I want to get back to the original question. Yes. What I asked before we went on this tangent. Yes. Uh, what's your favorite part about making a film? And do you call it a film or a movie? What's the technical uh, it term? Could go either, it could go either way. A flick? Uh, I, say, I say film. I say movie. It doesn't okay. matter. Um, you know, I think what – even in our conversation leading up to this question, I think it what I originally mm. – thought intellectually you're like i love making movies to tell the thing that's in my heart and of course every movie you have to find that what you want to say in this mm-hmm. it's a very rare opportunity to have the microphone yeah um as you know and when you do get uh, get, get that opportunity you want to make sure you're using it for something that's that's good it's powerful and yes, inspiring powerful, yeah. exactly um but the reality too, as I get older and as I do more and more, it's really, I think it's about the people that you meet mm. and it's about the people that you learn about, whether it's actors learning about quirks and egos mm. and how someone ticks and what makes you ticks tick, what, what gets you to, uh, uh, find something in a story or find something in a moment or discover something about emotion when you're dealing with a scene. It really actually is a very, uh, sort of meditative mm. uh, thing because you get to explore every aspect of life that you probably would never get to experience in other ways. Right. And you get to ex- be connected with people and also like, your cinematographer, also your editors. You're sitting there day after day, not seeing your family or friends. <laughs> you're going through ups and downs. You're going through notes. You're going through frustrations. You're going through triumphs. Deleting stuff constantly. Deleting like, things, uh, starting yeah. back and then going way back to the beginning. <clears throat> like maybe we were right on our mm. first instinct. Uh, that journey it's like giving birth every time <laughs> to a new child uh, and it's painful it must and, be sore man and it's so yes and when you're doing two when you're doing twins it's even oh more man because you got two movies right yeah. now wow. um but when you come out of it you come out a different person and wow. you come out of experiences that um literally you could not have experienced or or you know that could not have been possible in any other way and you feel stronger and you feel more connected with other people as well. And ultimately that comes down to the reason we make movies. The reason we watch movies is to feel connected as a community. So mm. um, I think as I, the more I go through it, that that's, that's really what drives me. Sure. Yeah. Since you were 20, since your first film that was on, you know, in theaters, um, or when was that first film? What, what year was that? Uh, that was n- 2008. So th- there's this period of time when, after uh, the Steven Spielberg stuff, after getting connected to a big movie at Sony, I got mm-hmm. connected to like five movies at different place studios around a town from Warner Brothers, Sony to all these places. But I actually didn't make a movie for five years. Wow. I didn't make anything for five. I would develop those movies. You know, yeah. you work with the writers to get it into shape. It's called development hell. It's, it's not, it's not producing. That's. 
that's, that's like developing. that's developing your. I mean, you're attached to direct, so when those movies get greenlit, you're the director. But as a director, that's part of your job is to gotcha. shepherd the project. Uh-huh. But you can shepherd something for ten years. You can shepherd something for and eleven years and out. never go out. Oh my goodness! So those five years as a you know twenty two year old kid coming into this world and 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 sort of coming in with a bang, and then actually not making movies half five a years. decade and every year goes by you're like no no this this next year we're almost there we're like so close on this project you're like de- questioning and doubting yourself Absolutely. You're like, people are questioning you people are like oh yeah that's that kid that five you know, years ago did something but yeah. hasn't done squat yeah. or whatever wow so you feel that pressure you feel that um uh i went through a lot going through there but you but i survived and you persevere through mm-hmm. that you have you know great friends and great family who are there to keep you on your feet yeah. during that point and uh, and so my first movie was uh, so actually ha- what happened was I got a script and it was a direct to DVD movie. It was a direct to DVD movie uh, sequel to a dance movie. <laughs> and I said no. I was like, oh, I don't do I don't do direct to DVD. <laughs> but you haven't even done a movie, I yet. Done a movie yet. For some reason, I thought. So then I called my mom and she's like, "When did you become a snob?" Oh. And I said, like, "What do you mean?" Yeah, I know. It was it was it was a wake a wake up call. And she said, you, "You're you say you're a storyteller, but storytellers mm. can tell it in a commercial, a TV show, in a movie, a direct DVD. Like it doesn't matter if you're yeah. true, and you've never had the chance to even show yourself. You're like an NBA player that got recruited on you're a team, on but you've been sitting on the bench. So here's your two. You're minutes. not even in the D league, yeah. exactly. <laughs> and this maybe is the D league, and you got two minutes. Like go yeah. show what you can do. Prove it." Wow. And uh, I, I realized, like, yeah, she's right. This is, you know, I'm going to make the best damn direct-to-DVD dance movie sequel ever. <laughs> yes. So we went in there and said, the script sucks, but we're going to change all this, mm-hmm. all this. The studio, which was Summit, um, Disney had distributed the feature, but Summit was doing just the uh, direct-to-DVD. They said, uh, they said, yes, go ahead and do that. Um, two weeks later, got a call from Disney. Orin Aviv over there said, um, you know, we want to hear. We knew, we heard that John was attached. That we want to hear now what that version is. So we go in and pitch. Twenty minutes later, he says that we have a slot in February for you. Uh, it's going to be a feature, and your budget went from five million dollars to twenty. Wow! And uh, and within and he's like, as long as you can deliver it in eight months, eight or nine months. Uh, and I, I didn't know how long it takes to right. make a real movie. <laughs> so I said, yeah, of course. And so we were like in production two months later. After waiting all those years. We were now starting with no script, and I had to shoot in like two months oh and my deliver a movie in those eight months. Uh, but that's how I got my first movie, and it made you know uh, over $150 million really? worldwide and all that stuff. So it, it worked out very well. This is Step Up 2? Or or, this is Step Up 2 the streets, yeah. $100 million worldwide. $150 million worldwide. What's, I mean, what's a good movie make right now these days like is 100 million is that a grade is like the top 10 percent well it depends or? what your budget is our movie was you know 20, 20. million million dollars so uh when you when you multiply that much that's yes, pretty good that's right? pretty good yeah you, there's marketing costs and things in there yeah, but yeah. but beyond that we you know multiplied our, our thing by a lot so uh it's not uh, bad so it's good and we made i mean i think they made like five more step up movies since then so uh, I think that was those, amazing. Those, those, so you took a chance and it paid off. It sounds yeah. like good. And I got to show off what I did, but also learn. Yeah. And it was a great, um, it was a great platform to learn how to make a studio movie. Cause when yeah. you make studio movies, there's other agendas. You've got to deal with uh, a studio. Mm-hmm. You've got to deal with, 
marketing. You've got to deal with um, all all the things that come with it, right? Because uh, you have a responsibility too. Uh, this is they're putting you know millions and millions yeah. of dollars, which the biggest thing I had done was like fifteen thousand dollars. So, <laughs> right. uh, you, you, and you actually learn how to work with a crew, a bigger crew wow. that you can't do everything for. You know, before I was like editing and doing doing the sound and doing the thing, but um, now you're directing. At that point, else. you've got it just sort yeah, of yeah. like. Uh, trust and learn how to communicate actually better. So, wow. Yeah. What would you say is the movie that you grew the most during that you were producing or, or directing? And mm-hmm. what movie was that? Um, well, every movie is very, uh, every movie is very different. The reason I take movies is usually some sort of thing that I've never done before. Um, A challenge. Yes, exactly. I think life is too short. You spend so much time on these things and you l- literally don't see your regular friends. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The good ones. We've been trying to do this for like two years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's true. It's true. <laughs> uh, and you get sucked into this this weird world. And so you want to make sure mm. um, that it means something to you mm-hmm. ultimately. Not just to make uh, money or Not just whatever. to make money. I mean, some people can do that. Everybody, every filmmaker, again, has their own journey, whether they want to make those five films and that's it. Yeah. Or they want to say that one thing and that's it. Or they never want to touch a studio movie. Studio movies are not for everybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for me, I grew up in an environment where movies were a celebration. Movies were where we'd all go to the movies and get scared or laugh or, um, or, or, or feel something that, that, uh, we wanted to get out of our system. So although I love the community of going to watch a movie, yeah. um, when people would boo at the screen or, <laughs> or cheer at the hero. Yeah. Uh, so those are the type of movies I love mm. and I love to create, um, and so each movie I take is usually something crazy. So like step up to the street. That was really to prove myself. And I knew dancers. So that was fun to go yeah. do and learn the language of dance more than I had known, especially street dance, which I did, yeah. wasn't as familiar with. And that a bunch of great people step up to, or step up 3D. We shot in New York. So that was like a dream for any filmmaker mm-hmm. to shoot in New York. And I had met a bunch of. This is actually dancers. in New York, not a Paramount. No. Fake this New is York. Like on the yeah. streets in New York. <laughs> It was awesome. We That's shot cool. all around town, Washington Square Park, wow. Times Square, uh, Grand Central Station. We we picked all the, the best places. So, uh, and we have you know dancers after dance. We have hundreds of dancers uh, and dancers that I met along the way. Mm-hmm. That I was like, oh, that person's really interesting. I'd never seen that on film before. Mm-hmm. So we could reverse engineer some characters and stuff like That's that. Cool. Uh, but I got to learn 3D. This was before Avatar was out. Um, wow. And then. Um, and then what came out? So never say never. The documentary, which I'd never done a documentary before, and being on tour with somebody is a very different. So two months feel. on tour. Or? Uh, it was like a month on. It yeah. was actually we had done some prep stuff. So I guess it was yeah. probably mounted to two months, but um, actually shooting was was about a month, and um, and and that was really fun because mm-hmm. you could be there uh, for all the intensity, but yeah. get out before it went too crazy. <laughs> uh, and uh, and then GI Joe was a huge leap after that because it was a big hundred twenty five million dollar. The Rock action. was on that, right? The Rock, Bruce Willis, wow. Channing Tatum was also in that. So we have a big cast. What was that like? Uh, it was awesome. The Rock is the coolest person. He's one of the guys I've been trying to get on since the beginning of the show. <laughs> He's one of like the three guys I really want to get on. He is everything you want him. To, you want really? your hero to be. He is. He's so kind and. Mm-hmm. Badass the and same time, no yeah, yeah. apologies. Uh, funny as hell. That's awesome. Um, he uh, aspires for perfection, so mm-hmm. he, it, it makes pushes you as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's like, he'll text me like, I remember when we were, we were about to release the movie, like things like, "This is your time, John. Let's do this." Shit. Wow. Like, 
like random texts. And you're like, yes, yeah, we're gonna do this. So uh, he's he is he, he is everything that he wow. that you think he is. That's who he truly is. I, I don't doubt that he's going to be president of the United States one day. Like, Holy cow. His ambition is big, and his uh, and his heart is big, and you can feel it in everything he does. Amazing. He's focused. So um, that's cool. That's, so it was a hundred fifty million dollar. Uh, that was a hundred twenty five million dollar movie. Wow. Which is uh, daunting and big explosions and thousands of extras. Wow. And, uh, you're dealing with a franchise that's been around, so there's a lot of pressure from. Mm-hmm. Whether it's Hasbro or Paramount or wherever. so, there's a lot of responsibility over that. Fanboys that you know wanted a very specific way. Sure, sure. Uh, so I learned a lot in that, um, and uh, and then we did another Justin Bieber movie, which was really fun. But I got I got to do his live show this time, mm-hmm. his actual concert right. tour, and that was a great experience because it sort of broadened my view of like mm. you don't have all the control when you're doing a a, a show because the artist is on stage and you can't edit anything. They're doing what they're doing. Yeah. Um, but that was fun to work with Justin at that time. And, um, and then, uh, and then with Jem, we did this movie for very little. We did it through with Jason Blum, who does all these, um, uh, horror films mm-hmm. for like less than $5 million. Wow. So to do a big, uh, musical for $5 million is, uh, a challenge. But I get full creative control in it, wow. which is really fun. So I'm sort of using all that stuff. So, and, but I got to use all my friends from film school and we got that's to build cool. something very, that's very personalized uh, and shoot in L.A. Um, and then Now You See Me was a big daunting thing because you have a cast that is on another level. You're yeah. working with legends, Morgan Freeman, Michael Caine, more, uh, uh, even uh, Jesse Eisenberg, who I really respect a lot, Mark Ruffalo. These guys are legends, um, if not already, in the making. And uh, Woody Harrelson, he plays twins in the movie. So yeah. there's uh, a lot of challenges in, in that as well. But every single one, I mm-hmm. think uh, you learn about not just the process, because the, the trade of making movies, uh, but you can hire a lot of people who know those trades better yeah. and you can rely on them. But about more about how I handle how you, how you stay on your vision, mm. or you how you create a collective collective vision uh, without being uh, without being a committee movie. You know? mm. So that mm. um, and how you get what you want, and how you protect the things that you need to protect, and fight the things that you need to avoid. So yeah, how do you? I mean, so you go into every movie with your own vision. How do you? enroll thousands of cast members potentially in these bigger movies in that vision as opposed to them all saying, you know, the big legendary actors who are like, oh, I want to do it this way or what do you yeah. think about this, John? Or, you know, yeah. how about we add this in there? Yeah. How do you stay focused towards a vision with all that power and yeah. people pulling you different directions? Yeah. I, I've i dealt with it in different ways for different movies and I think I'm still learning how the best way possible you know, you look at other leaders and you look at people like our president or you uh-huh. look at uh, other CEOs of how they run their business. Some people do it through fear. Some people mm. do it through communication and love. Some people do it through understand. Some, there's, there's so many different ways and all are effective, to be honest. Uh, it's sort of what fits your own mm, style and what kind yeah. of life you want to live as well. Because as a director, I could scare the shit out of people <laughs> right. and make big do big tantrums and leave the room and quit and get what I want. And that would be actually really darn effective. And sometimes I do want to do that to get it wrong. <laughs> but I don't really want to live that life. Yeah. Uh, I think life is bigger than those things. And, um, you know, that affects your energy anyway. And I, yeah. and I just choose not to do that. Uh, and I do think that um, like a computer, like a multiprocessor as a group, 
Um, as long as you're choosing the right things, there's a lot of great ideas that can be mined and those things together have a synergy that one person could never create. Sure. And, uh, and so I, I love that idea. But as I get through it, I think the, the most important thing I've learned about communicating the vision or getting a, a unified vision is literally just one by one. Like when it, it's too daunting to think like, Oh, I need to get, I need to, Make sure everybody, we, we have that scene in the right place. I need to like send blast out this email that like <laughs> cuts down their ideas and gets to the vision. Uh, it's literally like it's one by one sitting down, talking to someone, looking them in the eye and saying, let me understand your concerns here. Most people have concerns for the right reasons. They may not have the right answer and you may not have the right answer. But as long as you have the same goal of trying to fix this concern of like, I'm just not feeling this character um, you know, some person could say, well, can you cut this scene? Mm. I think you listened more of the note of, oh, what does it mean that they don't feel this character? Which means they actually don't care about what they, or they don't know what they want in this movie, which means it's not about that scene. It's about two scenes before that. And so by communicating with that actor, it's like, you know what? I think it's actually this point in the scene where you open your diary and we see mm. exactly what you want. So by this point later, we'll be rooting for you instead of not knowing why you even want that thing. Uh, and I think it goes, it's a much more effective way. It takes a lot more time yeah. and a lot more energy and a lot more back and forth, but it's a much more, I think, healthier way. Sure. Uh, but also you, that process of finding it makes you connect with that actor, with that producer, with the studio mm. much more. Um, and it is a harder process. Much and harder than I, just saying, suck it up, do your job, let's go. Yes. Right? I, I always say I would do, I would make movies for free. If you gave me a camera and actors, like, let's go, I'll do it all day long. Yeah. I, don't, I can eat ramen all day long, it doesn't matter. <laughs> uh, what I get paid for is dealing with the politics and yeah. doing that job, um, which I, you know, which is also part of storytelling. It's also a part about mm -hmm. understanding why you want to tell the story or why, what, why other, someone else wants to tell. Everyone came to this story for a different reason. Mm. And by understanding, the purpose that everyone came here for, you may not be able to fulfill that for every single person, but you can find your balance of, of, of how you want to fulfill those mm. things. And maybe they have a purpose that is actually bigger than yours that you jump on. So. Yeah. Yeah. What would you say is the biggest lesson you've learned about yourself through in the last 15 years of doing movies? The, the most important lesson you've learned <laughs> that I learned about myself. Gosh, there's a uh, so many things. <laughs> Every movie you probably learn twenty new things yes, about yourself. Yes, but I think the 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 one that has allowed me to survive the most is that I have really great family and friends, mm. and I don't know why that happened. I don't know. I didn't purposely do that. Uh, I'm attracted to really great, good people, and for some reason, they believe in me. Mm. And for some reason, when I am not as good of a friend, sometimes they're still there for me. Wow. And for some reason, when things are down, they know suddenly, randomly to call mm. uh, and to just keep me going because those are the people, those are the only people who really count when you're, you know, yeah. at your deathbed and, right. and you've wrapped up your life here. And, uh, and so, and, you know, you don't appreciate your friends and your family all the time or how lucky you are to have those people. Uh, but I think there's no mm. way I could be doing what I'm doing without those people having to uh, help me in that. And, I, and I've and i relied on that actually now much yeah. more. And I can uh, count on that more. Where, cool. I, where I sort of before was like, oh, I don't need it. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> you can do it on your own. Yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, what would you say you're most grateful for recently in your life? Uh, you know, I'm, I'm always grateful uh, for 
I'm always grateful for, like I said, friends and family. Like I think that that is the most powerful thing. You can have all the money in the world, you can have all the support in the world, but but that is what mm-hmm. uh, keeps you up. But great. But recently, I think I'm grateful to. Uh, I think I'm grateful that I get the opportunity to make do what I love. Like mm-hmm. someone was like, "Aren't you going to take a vacation? Like you've done a movie every year." you need a vacation. And, um, I think if you, and I'm sure you feel the same way if you're doing exactly. what you love, there's, this is vacation. This is vacation. It's this fun. It. Like <laughs> you I don't need to get away for anything. There's nothing to get away from. If I went somewhere on an island, which I love to do, you'd be thinking still about, be thinking about yeah, exactly. like, the only way to go there is to think about things. So, uh, so I feel very lucky because yeah. I don't think everybody gets that opportunity That's and great. I don't think everyone, um, gets to even really find what they love mm-hmm. or even want. I was lucky when I was a kid. Uh, I was lucky when I was a kid to somehow fall upon the thing that I would mm-hmm. love and that would give me a voice because I was a shy. Well, sometimes a shy kid. Most of the time, a shy kid in front of public people in my home. I was probably really annoying. <laughs> but uh, I didn't have a. Vo- I, I liked to draw. wasn't the best drawer. I yeah. loved to be on stage, but wasn't great at being on stage. I loved to uh, animate stuff. wasn't great at that. Like to play songs. wasn't great at playing those songs. Uh, but but film. Um, I understood those things, which could help my film, but I, but that's what I mm. could speak. And, um, and that's to me what saved my life wow. and gave me a voice. And I, and I feel very lucky that I found that at, in third grade. Amazing. Uh, yeah. I never doubted it. Amazing. Time, so what's the movie that you've been inspired by the most that you wish you would have, you'd been like, man, that'd have been a great story to tell. <laughs> like, what's the movie that you're like, well, man, you could watch over and over. Well, Goodfellas, I watch a lot before making a movie because mm. I feel like it's such a unique vision. It's such, I, I could never make that movie. Literally the subject matter, the world, the tone, it's just not my style mm-hmm. in any way, but I love watching it because it reminds me that a scene can be a scene, but the way you shoot a scene is the scene. Mm. And, uh, and so I love, it inspires me every time that you, it makes you, it pushes you to look at your script and say, this is just the beginning of what you should be doing. Um, and uh, that E.T., of course, uh, is one of my first movies that I ever watched. Mm-hmm. Uh, has a lot of influence. I love – There's it's, it's a, an honest story, but it has a magical twist to it. Yeah. And, I, I, and I love that. Um, so, What's the movie that you were so excited to watch that let you down where you were like, oh, it could have been told in this <laughs> way and it would have been the best movie ever? Oh, that's tough. That is tough. Whether because, maybe it be a story you already knew about or a character that you're like excited to see what they created. Yes. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I hate judging movies, especially being in the movie business now. Of course. Because it's a miracle that movies get made in the first place. Yeah, it's a lot of work. And I don't think anyone ever intends to make a shitty movie. Mm-hmm. And even if you think it's shitty, it probably other people find other it. things in it. I mean, even our step-up movies, they may not be the Academy Award winning movies, <laughs> Uh, and and we may have a twenty five percent on Rotten Tomatoes, but I'm telling you, there's a lot of people, people who became dancers become of that, or people who watch that stuff over and over again. It plays on ABC Family every time. People, there is a spirit to it that goes beyond a review for it. So it's really hard for me wow. uh, to. And when people judge your movie, I, you know that everyone has the right to do that. It's just like of music, course. like it's a very personal thing. Everyone feels like an expert because they are an expert in their world of it. Uh, but I I, I, I I try to avoid You'd rather not talk about judging <laughs> a movie. Sure. Well, what's the one you could you thought could have gone a different direction that would have made it in your mind? Yeah. More powerful. Maybe for other people they thought it was great, but in your mind could have told a different story. Um, 
I would say <laughs> put you out on the spot here. This is really on the spot. Um, I'm trying to remember. I'm trying. I'm trying to think of a movie that I've. Uh, all the movies I've seen recently have been pretty darn mm. amazing. Um, I mean, I just saw Ex Machina. It was awesome. Oh, so that's good. so that's good. good. That's a movie that I was. I'd be like, I want to make that's a cool movie. that yeah. movie. Um. I watch a lot of movies. I go to the Grove like or Arc Light, you know, once or twice a week at yes. least. Which one do you think? Oh man. That's good. Yeah, question. it's not so easy. Right? <laughs> I have to think See? and go back to the archives. <laughs> I think maybe like um Captain America or something. Mm-hmm. The what? first one or the I'm thinking the first one, yeah. Even the second like, one was great. Even like Wolverine. Mm-hmm. I was like, it was good, but I felt like it could have been even more epic. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, Some yeah. of those characters I'm like, uh <laughs> so <laughs> There's so many things, you know, when you look at Avengers, like, yeah. there's so many things that it has to serve at a certain point. It, mm-hmm. it, it, these companies are owned by conglomerates now, yeah. and they have bigger purposes than mm-hmm. just the movie itself. Um, you, you look at, you know, even Cars. Um, it's John Lasseter. It's Cars. It should be a genius movie. Uh, I don't love Cars as much as the other Pixar movies. I mean, they have a high bar to hit, so it's still a good movie. But like, you know, and John Lasseter is a genius. So how how does that? But you see the toy sales, and they make way more on toy, the toy sales, sales on licensing than, than any other product. They have more than Toy Story, more than any of those things. And so, in a way, these movies are more like commercials for it's those businesses. toys. Yeah. Um. So you know. There's there's a lot of different agendas in in mm-hmm. movies nowadays than, than what they used. To how be. does negotiating work? I want to ask a few more questions. Uh, I feel like I could do this for another hour with you, but how how does the negotiating work for you right now when you're working on a movie mm-hmm. that's a five million dollar movie that you just did compared to a hundred and twenty five million dollar movie? Is it a flat rate? Is it a flat rate plus commission on how the movie does? Mm-hmm. How does that work for most directors? Well, they're very different. Every movie is a different deal, basically, and depending on how it's going to be released, depending on yeah. who's behind it, all those things. Um, for me, I love the trade-off of doing a big movie, a small movie. It gives you, uh, you know, when you do a smaller movie, you get a little bit more control. You get a little bit more, uh-huh. uh, you, you get a little, it's a little more what you remember as making movies because you've got to figure it out. And it sometimes pushes you to be more creative. Um, but every filmmaker, what I just went through, I think every filmmaker should go through. It was like, financial whiplash going from a five million not for myself personally but for the movie uh-huh. itself the uh going from a five million dollar movie to a hundred and twenty five million dollar movie rack to back you literally but it's the same process right no matter what resources you have you come down to what actually making a movie is about and what you need as a filmmaker to tell your story so you don't get caught up in, oh, I need 20 trucks to bring 10,000 extras. Sure, sure. Um, you realize the re- the reality of the line that you can draw of your art and what you need to mm. say. And actually that how much those things aren't that important. Yes, if you need scope and you're trying to tell this story of a specific thing, that costs money, that costs yeah, people, that costs yeah. resources. But ultimately telling a story, you could be by... You could be next to a fire uh, at a campsite and be telling just as compelling story as in a movie theater in the dark for fifty bucks. Before. You know, yes, you know, exactly. a camera and whatever. Exactly. I mean, storytelling is storytelling. You could be on a podcast with no mm-hmm. pictures and be painting every picture. Of course, you could be saying no words and just be doing sounds and tell very. Spe- so it, um, you know, what I what I see my job as is less of a of a movie maker, a filmmaker, and more of a storyteller. Um, and our 
the genre that that happens to be in is audiovisual um and and big you know big theater sort mm. of presentation um but i feel like those that's not my skill set that's just the tool that i'm yeah. using in that thing to me if you gave me a commercial we just did the virgin america safety video which is like the you know how to put on your seatbelt at virgin america you can watch that on the flight and um but even something there's like, like that, dancing happening like dancing right here yeah, yeah it's all awesome. stuff so um, so even that was like, we had to work with the FAA to figure out how best to make people pay attention. Uh-huh. Out, out and, and, uh, I felt just as sort of, uh, emotionally involved in something as small and crazy as that as a bigger movie. Wow. So it's all comes from the same well. Um, so that's what I try to hone more less about like, how does that camera work? And how do I yeah. zoom in on the blah, blah, blah? Or how, <laughs> what's that? Do that? And more of like, Oh, what if that helps me? Um, communicate something right. more in what I'm doing than, than I'll pay attention. But I would assume, you know, a $125 million movie, you'd be getting a bigger upfront pay as yes, opposed yes. to a $5 million Absolutely. movie. You're making like, you know, you can't make a million dollars on a $5 million movie yes, yes. upfront yes. as you could potentially a $125 million movie. So how does the yes. back end work for you? So the, so, so the, um, so something like what we, what we just did with, with Blumhouse. So Jason Blum does these a lot. Um, and his model is this, any movie under, uh, $5 million. So it's like a, and they're usually like two or three. Right. And they're horror films. So we're in a very specific genre. Um, you have to shoot in LA. You have to, you only get a certain amount of time for pre-production, uh, production and post-production. So those are lockdowns. You cannot negotiate that. You cannot wow. go overtime. You cannot do anything. It is a very specific thing. So your process changes in that. You don't get paid. You get paid like minimum upfront. So you get paid, you're betting on yourself basically because your back end is bigger than you'll ever get in any of those bigger movies. Um, and you get full creative control, mm. which is the, the pretty cool. So that's so, kind of fun for you because it's like, it's a fun thing I get to me. do whatever I want. You exactly. can't tell me what to do. Exactly. Because I'm getting paid nothing up front. So let's exactly. like, you know. And you're betting on your own. Your storytelling and your creativity. Your own movie. Yeah. yeah. And that's fun at a certain point when you're like, let's bet on ourselves right now. I mean, I think it was like Ethan Hawke who did The Purge and all this stuff. Like, wow. ultimately, The Purge made a hundred and something million dollars and has sequels and all this stuff. It was like and, a five million dollar movie or what? Uh, it was like a four million dollar movie. Wow. And, you know, when you're making that kind of multiple and you're getting first dollar gross, which big studios don't do that anymore. More, uh, you're making a lot, lot more money on that little one than you would than on a big would, one. We would have on really? a big one, but but only if it hits that scale. You know, it hurts. It hits gotcha. Scale. So things like even like uh, believe uh, Justin Bieber's believe where uh, Paramount was not involved in that one. I did not get paid as much up front, but ultimately, and the movie didn't make as much as Never Say Never mm-hmm. by a lot, but it still did well. It did well, and I made more money on that one personally than I did on Never Say Never. Really. Um, because we're just, it's just a different, and you're still getting royalties on these movies, right? And all these, yeah, all these movies you continue to get royalties. Amazing. If they're play, you know, the movies I make are, uh, are are fun because they get to be played. They they are enjoyed over and over yeah, again. They're on TNT they're, and ABC. So they're always on all those those yeah. channels. So uh, you're constantly getting uh, nice sales. royalty checks. Yeah, that's, that's good. Nice. Yeah, that's <laughs> those good. are surprised. You're like, oh, <laughs> great, oh, sweet, cool. <laughs> um, what's the story you want to tell next that you've never told? Um. I don't know, to be honest. I've cleared my slate. When I was doing these two movies, I was like, I need to just clear it and then um, see where I am. Mm -hmm. Um, I think as artists, what's fun is that you get to evolve and change. um, I don't like to try to preempt where I'm going to be because it's a lot of uh, energy and emotion (laughs) and fears on the line. So I like to 
you know, even now you see me, I could not have predicted that I would have mm. done that movie. It came to me. I get a lot of different movies that come to me. It came to me at a time where I felt like that's what I needed and wanted to do. Go to London, shoot a movie, wow. London, Macau. So you got to do a little China shoot as well. And with these great actors and magic, it all seemed very, pretty cool. how could you say no to that? <laughs> and having come just off of a smaller movie, it was like yeah. a really fun jump to do that. Uh, and so, uh, we'll see what the what the what the next year That's brings, nice. but I'm uh, eyes wide open and ears open, and everything sort of open to accept things and see where that mm, may be. So. That's cool. Uh, two final questions. One is, with all the stories you've told, with everything you've said, you've put out a lot of great content. Uh, if it was all erased, everything was gone, mm-hmm. and you had a piece of paper, or you had one final video. Mm-hmm. Uh, 60 second video that you got to put up on your YouTube channel is the only video that people ever saw of you ever again. Yes. It was the three truths that you know to be true about your experience from making movies, life, everything you've seen and done. Three truths that you would give back to the world. Here's the final three things that you need to know about what you can do to be, you know, about the world. What would you say as your final <laughs> video? Three, those three things. Three truths about what you've experienced in life, the things you know about it. And what you would want people to take away if that was your only message you could give to them? Um, well, one would be, and this is something that I think why we make movies and this is something why I got into movies and this is something that I think is in all stories, is uh, that you are not alone. I think that we, most of our lives feel alone and detached and out of place and trying to find our path and trying to find how we fit in, and um, which is normal. And I think the reason we make movies, the reason I make movies specifically, is to say your struggle is exactly where you're supposed to be because you're not alone in that struggle and we're all going through that and that's okay. Um, I think uh, as you go through your struggles, that's like the most powerful thing you can do to right. get through that. Right. Second one is uh, something I piece of advice I got a long time ago, um, which is you are what you do every day. So like, I was like, well, how do I become a director? And this person said, well, you know, one's going to give you that label. No one's going to put that on your door. You will just, you just are, you're not, you're not, you, no one's going to give you a business card that says you're an entrepreneur one day. You just either <laughs> right. are or not. And you are what you do. If you're a director, you direct something every day of your life. If you're a writer, you just write every day, whether someone's paying you or not. Yeah. If you give little white lies here and there, guess what? You're a liar. It doesn't matter how small or how big. That's what you are. Um, and I think that that's in all aspects of my life. Uh, I'm not saying I'm perfect at any of those things, but I try to check myself on the things that I do, even as, mm. as stupid as like rolling a stop sign. In my mind, I'm like, well, that's what you are. If you are doing that, mm. you slide things and do things, which is fine. I mean, I do it all the time. Right. <laughs> Maybe that's what I am. But I like to remind myself of that yeah, because yeah. that's the only thing that you give to this earth is what you're doing and what you're being. Um, and the third one uh, is, um, I think it's something to do with appreciate who you have or what you have with the things that are around you. Uh, I think life goes by so fast. Mm-hmm. Uh, and every time, but, but at the same time, every time I say that life just keeps going longer and longer. So I guess life is actually long as well. 
Um, but the things that uh, you affect or that affect you are the things that are right there next to you and appreciate that that you were given those things or that mm. those things were um, or that you or that those things found you. Uh, because that's all that's all the gifts that we were given here. Mm-hmm. So I would say I've never been asked that question. I've never said that loud, so I'd have to recheck if that was right. But off the top of my head, I think those are the three things. Those are great. So. Yeah, those are great. Uh, one final question, but yes. before I uh, ask you that, where should we go to connect with you? Where do you like to hang out the most online? Where should we? Mm-hmm. Uh, Twitter. I'm on Twitter all the time. Yeah. Um, both good and bad. Bring it. Let's go. <laughs> at John Chu. <laughs> at John, I'll chat at John M. Chu. J-O-N-M-C-H-U. Okay. Uh, Instagram as well, at yeah. John M. Chu. Um, those are the places sort of yeah. that I, I If you want to check out the uh, archives of your YouTube videos, check those out as well. Yes. You have a huge following, but you don't put any videos out anymore. Yeah. We, we, uh, back in the day, you know, when... The, le- the Legion of Extraordinary. We did the LXD, which was is great. Amazing. You should check that out yeah, on YouTube. Great. But also we had... Um, this battle with Miley Cyrus, and this is after the five years of emptiness of that I didn't do anything. I by that time YouTube was created, and I and I had promised myself from then on I would never have a five year drought of making anything, even if I wasn't doing a movie. I would do make something and yeah. post it online. So these things are the things that help me in That's between cool. all the all the different movies. That's so. cool. Uh, so make sure to reach out with you, and you you get back to people sometimes here and yeah. there. Yeah, mm-hmm. cool for sure. Um, before I ask the final question, I want to acknowledge you for a moment, John, for the way you create and inspire greatness in other people. You know, before I even knew who you were, you made me cry. <laughs> and you made me want to watch the movie over and over again. And you made me learn more about myself through the story you told. And I was a kid in Ohio watching this movie before I even knew that you were even the director. And so I want to acknowledge you for your creativity and your honesty and your ability to bring the greatest inspiration in every story you tell to impact the maximum amount of people. I think you've been given an incredible platform and I'm so glad that you're the one who's directing these movies because you you get to inspire so many people to live better lives, to think differently, to check themselves and ask them, how am I showing up in the world? Even if it's through a silly entertainment thing or something that may not seem like it, mm-hmm. we're affected by what you're creating. So I want to acknowledge you for your gifts and the talents that you bring to the world. Oh, thank so you. Thanks, I man. Appreciate that. Yeah. I appreciate that. Final questions. What I ask everyone at the end. Yes. Is what's your definition of greatness? Definition of greatness. Well, I don't think you can define your own greatness. I think that that is something that others can say to you. Uh, and so in my mind, your greatness is how much you, uh, give to others. Uh, and, uh, because by giving to others means you have some sort of self, Mm. you have, you have, you've gotten yourself in a position or, or found something in your own journey that you can share. And I think, uh, that takes a journey in itself, which is a yeah. whole thing. But I think by, when you can actually start thinking about others and not just about your own survival, I think you've reached yeah. your greatness and you should continue to, to, to give that way. I love it. John Chu. Thanks for now, brother. Thank Appreciate you. it, man. Appreciate it. It's been fun. And there you have it, guys. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Make sure to head back to the show notes at lewishouse.com slash two, three, seven. Check out all the stuff that John is up to. Make sure to follow him over on Instagram and social media. I'll have that all linked up 
over at the show notes. Check out his movies that are coming out. This guy is an incredible director, incredible storyteller, and visionary. So make sure to check them out. Follow him and be inspired. Also, if you were inspired by this story, make sure to share this with your friends over on social media and tag me at Lewis Howes and at John Chu over on Instagram to stay connected and hear about what we're up to and where you're listening to this podcast. So thank you guys so much for all you do. Thank you for continually supporting me and supporting this show. It's why I'm able to bring on guests like John and incredible, inspiring people because you continue to listen and apply it to your life and spread the message of greatness. You're incredible. You're up to big things. The world has a lot of greatness out there and it's time you go capture it. You know what time it is. It's time to go out there and do something great. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. I've learned the hard way that constantly holding on to your emotions and repeatedly choosing to not talk about your feelings will only make you feel worse and worse. And up until about 10 or 11 years ago, I was afraid to talk about my trauma that I experienced. And I know we all carry around different stressors, big and small. And when we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. But therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. And if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to fit your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Lewis today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash L-E-W-I-S.